Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today on a special Work in the Future podcast sponsored by Microsoft. So we're in what I think is an interesting period in the history of work. We're creating actually the future of work. And one of the things we're trying to figure out is where to take hybrid work. It's kind of the norm now. A lot of companies are saying, okay, come in two days a week, come in three days a week. But the model is still very much a work in progress. Managers are trying to find the best way to connect with workers and they're trying to figure out the logistics around doing that. And workers are trying to find the arrangements that best work for them. So we still have a lot of things to learn and maybe a while until we decide what the best practices are. And as we get there, we're going to do a lot of experimentation. Well, to talk about what's going on and what might come next, I'm joined in this episode by Colette Stahlbomber. Now, Colette is the general manager of Microsoft 365 and future of work at Microsoft. And she has a lot to share about how Microsoft is approaching hybrid work, as well as what she thinks are the best practices going forward. I had an amazing conversation with Colette. Please stay with us to hear it. should we expect from this next phase of hybrid work? Well, to talk about that, I'm joined today by Colette Stahlbomber. She's general manager of Microsoft 365 and future of work at Microsoft. Hi, Colette. Hi, Linda. Great to be here. Well, thank you so much for being here. We have a lot to talk about. We're, well, I don't want to say hybrid work started in 2020, but the experiment really started in 2020. Um, But before we even get to that, let me ask you about your own career. How did you end up managing this experiment? Yes. So, yeah, I've been at Microsoft a long time, actually, and I've had a variety of roles. Uh, But most recently, before my current role, I was in Satya Nadella's office. I joined his team when he became CEO in 2014 and uh, was his speechwriter. And I worked on uh, a couple of things, but one of the really interesting things I worked on was our cultural transformation at Microsoft. And so uh, when the opportunity came up to uh, lead the team working on the future of work in Microsoft 365, you know, I jumped at that opportunity to um, sit at this, in this role that sits at the intersection of culture and technology and how we empower people at work. And I just find, find that to be, um, you know, really energizing and uh, part of what gets me up every day and excites me to come to work. Well, that's cool. You know what? We could talk about a lot of parts of this, but if you had to pick one thing you've learned over the last two years, what would you pick? Starting there, I would sort of want to zoom out and talk about just just kind of how what happened when the pandemic happened and how and Microsoft's approach. Um, you know, we when the pandemic happened, we we have, we do a lot of research at Microsoft, as you probably and your audience probably knows. Um, but really what happened is we were, we were inundated with questions from customers about how to deal with this new world of remote work um, and what we were learning. And so we really did take a learn-it-all approach and pivoted our efforts and research to studying the new patterns of work and how it was changing. And it was changing and continues to change very rapidly. Um, and so we began publishing something called the Work Trend Index. Um, our most recent report was published in September. We can get into unpacking some of the data and insights from that. But in this last report, we spoke with 20,000 people in 11 countries. We then also look at not just what people are telling us, 
but what the telemetry in Microsoft 365 is telling us. So the, we analyze trillions of signals on how work is actually changing and what the patterns are. And so we know, for example, that the average workday span is increasing and that people are chatting more after hours and on weekends. And then we also look at LinkedIn labor market data trends and analysis and people science. And we sort of mash all that up to understand how work is changing. And in our latest study that we published, we talk about something called productivity paranoia, um, which is the fact that, you know, now, as you said, you know, eight, nine, call it months into hybrid work, not everyone agrees on how this experiment is going. And in particular, we see a disconnect between leaders and employees. Um, and so, you know, we can get into that more, but that's kind of what, what underlies productivity paranoia is the fact that, um, you know, employees, uh, 87% of employees say that they are productive, working however, whenever, wherever. Um, and uh, at the same time, only 12% of leaders have confidence that people are being productive. And so it kind of starts with that, right? Like what's underneath that? Okay, well, let's take it a bit at a time. First of all, in a few words, what is the biggest feeling, the biggest trend you're getting from the most recent index, if you could summarize it? I would say the biggest trend from the most recent work trend index is really this idea of productivity paranoia, right? And that's the fact that 87% of employees say, and people say they're being productive. And, um, you know, we believe flexibility and well-being are here to stay and people are wanting to work that way. They found, you know, the habits that people have formed during the pandemic, working and being productive, working kind of however they work best, whenever, wherever they work best. At the same time, leaders, only 12% of leaders in our study have full confidence that people are being productive. And so, you know, what does that mean? I would say what's going on there is, at least in one sense, leaders are missing the traditional cues, right? They're missing those cues of what it used to mean to understand what it means to be productive, of the visual cues of being able to walk down the hall and check in on people and see those things in action. Yeah, and I would say they weren't trained to do it in any other way, right? This has been forced right. on them. So for the ones who are doing better at it, like how are they monitoring work? Well, first of all, let me just say that at Microsoft, we don't believe that you know monitoring activity or monitoring employees is the answer. We believe that that really what organizations need to do is focus on outcomes, focus on impact and outcomes. Um, measuring or monitoring activity is really just bad science. Um, it doesn't help uh, companies or leaders understand what's really going on. And really, do people have the right conditions to be productive and empowered and energized to do meaningful work? Yeah, I shouldn't have put it as monitor, but if the ones who are confident that their workers are doing well, what are the things, the signals they're picking up on? Yeah, I think it is, you know, part of it is, I think, in this ability to give people permission to work in new ways. Um, right. As we as we've studied this throughout the pandemic, um, when we published our study uh, in March of last year of 2020, we saw, you know, just a very big shift in what we would call people's worth it equation. And, you know, things like flexibility and well-being, really people saying for the first time that they valued those more than even things like pay. And so, you know, there, there's a very there's a big change in what people value. and you know, because we often talk about how 
you know, maybe if we'd worked, if the pandemic had been a couple month blip and, you know, we don't know that some of these things would have taken hold as much as they now have. Right. But we've been working this way for two and a half years and people have figured out how to more integrate their work and their life. Right. And what does, what does work really mean? What does it look like? You know, just because someone goes for a run over their lunch hour doesn't mean they're actually not working right? That could be some of their most creative time, right? Maybe they come up with like their best idea of of the day or the the week or the year while they're on that run. And so it really is this mindset shift around understanding how people work and creating space for people to work more flexibly. Now you mentioned work hours. What are you, what is the latest data showing? Because at the beginning, people didn't really know how to stop working, right? That's right. And I know I would I would even say that we are still in that place. You know, we have created some of the new habits that were created during the past two and a half years that aren't all positive. Not only has the pace of work increased according to our data, but some of what you're saying, right? Like the blending of work and life. There's there's a there's a good side to that. And then there's a side where people have developed some habits and we need to help them um, you know, create new rituals and set new boundaries. Like the fact that I'll give you an example. Um, you know, we began, we moved uh, as an organization and, and a team to have breaks between meetings. We there's a feature you can use in Outlook so you can set all of your meetings as an organization wide to start at five minutes after the hour or end five minutes early. Um, and even that five minute break gives people's brains a chance to reset um, be- between back to back meetings. And so, you know, additionally, we have a team, we have what we call team agreement. And really what that is, is coming up with what are the new rules of the road, right? As we all experiment with this. So how do you in flexible work, um, because you don't have those artificial boundaries anymore, like the commute, um, to how do you, how do you create that, that separation, right? So people can make a mental shift. And one of the things we do with our team agreement is we don't send email after 6 p.m. Um, now, does that mean that we never send email after 6 p.m. or on weekends? No. What it means is that we try to create that um, as, a, as a practice, as a ritual. Um, and then, you know, of course, there are exceptions to every rule. But those kinds of things are helping people find the new boundaries, if you will. Do you find in Microsoft or in other companies that managers have needed actual training or are they just kind of figuring it out themselves? Yeah, I think managers need a lot of help. You know, we're asking so much of managers in this new world of work. Um, You know, in addition to all the things that, you know, that are still on their plates, right? We're also asking them in some ways to be now event coordinators too, you know, to help figure out how to, when and how to bring people together in person and what the role of the office is in hybrid work. Um, We found in our work trend index that then overwhelmingly more than 80% of people told us that the number one reason they would come into the office is for each other. So we asked a lot of different things um, about what would motivate people to come back into the office. And so now, you know, it's on managers to help people Um, to help with that in-person time, right? Both coordinating when their team will be in the office and when people should come in and how to spend that time once they're there to come back around to your question. Managers definitely need 
guidance and training for how to enable hybrid work. It's a new skill set. It's a new skill set for all of us. I want to ask more about how workers are viewing this next stage of hybrid work or the stage we've gone through and the next stage you're looking forward to. But we're just going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Modern work is hybrid work. Help people and teams connect, collaborate, and get work done from anywhere with Microsoft Teams and Microsoft Viva. Enable your hybrid workforce and foster inclusive, interactive meetings for everyone, wherever they are, with Microsoft Teams Rooms. Empower your people and help your organization thrive with Microsoft Viva, an employee experience platform that delivers connection, insight, purpose, and growth for today's work environment. I'm back with Carlette Stahlbommer from Microsoft, and we have been talking about hybrid work, how managers are coping, and also how workers are coping. You know, Carlette, we sometimes talk about the water cooler effect, that, you know, when people are hanging around the water cooler or the kitchen, they make connections, and one way or another, those are good for work. If you have workers at home or working virtually, how do you recreate that? And I know there's been a lot of experimentation. Early pandemic, people tried all kinds of things. What's working? I think in some ways, the simplest way to think about that water cooler effect comes back to just human connection. Like what is the value of small talk, uh, both at the beginning and ends of meetings, as well as in one-on-ones? Um, you know, at, at Microsoft, we have a framework for managers that we use called Model Coach Care. And throughout the pandemic, we've learned again and again that the care piece of that is so important. You know, how are you showing up in your engagements with people when you're asking someone how they're doing? Are you really, are you pausing to listen to the answer? You know, are you, are you waiting and willing to really hear what they have to say about that? And so whether it's in person, and I think there is a role of in, for in-person in hybrid work or digitally, I think it really comes back, that water cooler effect comes back to human connection. Do you think that workers do need to see each other physically? Like, is it okay to have one working in Vancouver and one working in Toronto and they don't actually see each other? Do you think it's, there's a necessity to bring people together? I think that in-person plays a role in hybrid work. And I think we're still learning. You know, what we're doing, for example, in my team is we have, we're trying to find our centers of gravity, right? So we're experimenting. And so what does that mean? That means like on Thursdays, we have team, we have team Thursday. And we're picking that day not to be dogmatic, to tell people you must come in on Thursdays, but to create some momentum, right, around some rituals, some new rituals. And so on Thursdays um, is, an, is a day when more people are making more of an effort to come into, into the office and spend some time in person. At the same time, we're also planning and about to have in a couple of weeks team week. And so like a lot of companies, Microsoft hired from everywhere during the pandemic, we want to attract and retain the best talent. Um, and if I even just look at my own team, you know, I have, you know, people on the team from both, you know, Atlanta and other places, as well as here in Washington state, as well as, you know, overseas. And so we're taking that opportunity with Team Week to fly everyone in to help build those bonds and create social connection and re, you know, rebuild and build new bonds because people are, a lot of people are new, right? But I think the key thing about how we will use that in-person time during team week 
is it will not be sitting in, in a lot of meetings. It will be really socializing and interacting and doing activities that are intentional around rebuilding bonds. Okay, let's talk about corporate culture because this is something that comes up a lot. The companies say, you know what, we can't build a culture if people aren't together more. And I'm not sure if that's true. I think you have to build it a different way. So what are the things you've learned about that? Yeah, I think we're seeing, you know, when I talk to customers, we see all sorts of models, right? We see companies who've gone fully remote and, you know, definitely are figuring out how to build culture, right? And how to create that connection to mission and culture. We see companies like like Microsoft with policies uh, where there's, you know, with flexible work up to 50% of the time. Um, and then you see also, you know, the other end of the spectrum, right? With people's really either their policies mandating a certain number of days back in the office and those kinds of things. And I think there's room on the spectrum really for all of it. Um, I think that one thing that is clear though, is that I'll go back to what I talked about, you know, employees worth it equation um, and how much they value flexibility and well-being and the ability to, you know, to give people permission to go to that soccer game or, you know, not miss that kid's event. Um, so, and, and still, and still be productive and do their job well. And so I think part of it is now what role does technology play in enabling all these new ways of working, right? With a more distributed than ever before global workforce and a more digitally connected one, technology like Microsoft Teams and Viva can do a lot to create that culture and connect people. So we're two years into this, Colette, and people felt one way two years ago. Now they've had time to try different things. Are we still getting resistance to this model? You know, I think there's, I talk to customers all the time and there are, there's a, there's a spectrum, right? There's companies like ours who have flexible work policies of up to 50% of the time, which is what we do at Microsoft. There are companies who've gone fully remote and they are definitely finding ways to create that connection to mission and culture. And then you've got companies who are mandating, you know, a certain number of days back in the office and in person. So I think that technology can play a huge role in this more distributed work world where people are more digitally connected than ever before to, to help um, continue to bridge those gaps, right? If there's resistance, I think it's, I think it's because we're all still learning. And I think it's, you know, it's really natural. We're in the early innings of experimentation on a lot of this. Um, you know, I think we're going to need to think about space differently. Uh, and we're seeing new models in that as well. Like, how do you think about space in a hybrid work world? And I have, I have great empathy for customers who, you know, who definitely are trying to figure out how to bring people back, how often, what will motivate them and how to bring people together and, and for what and for what purposes. Okay, so maybe this is, I would say it's a fair question, but if you had to figure out what was going to happen in five years, I won't say, you know, what will it look like, but what are the trends you're looking at? What are the things that you think are, are worth considering? Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a lot on the horizon. I think that, um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is I think we're going to understand in five years a lot more about when in-person time matters, you know how much in-person time matters, right? Like, and specifically when and why and how often to bring people together and what are the dividends, right? What pays dividends from that? 
How do you take early in career people and pair them um, with, you know, with leaders who've been, who are longer in career and how many touch points do you need um, in person to help that person feel really connected to mission and culture? I think that we will still see, you know, a flexible work world, but that it will have evolved. Um, and so I have a lot of, I have a lot of optimism and hope, uh, for, you know, continuing to enable new ways of working to help people, however, whenever, wherever they want to work, but also help organizations, help individuals and help organizations be successful. Okay. Well, that's probably a good note to end it on since, uh, it's always nice to hear about optimism. Colette, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you so much for having me, Linda. Colette Stahlbomber is the General Manager of Microsoft 365 and Future of Work for Microsoft. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to know more about Colette, take a look at our show notes. You'll find some links there. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at, at @relentlesseco. Now, if you did like this conversation about the future of work, please take a moment and leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. That will really help people to find us, and that will help us continue these discussions about where work is going. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future, and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production.